0: chapter twenty two of a sevenfold trouble by pansy and her friends this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty two a decision by mrs c m livingston margaret had not yet said to herself in so many words i'm going home with aunt cornelia to spend the whole summer yet she went about all the next day with little waves of gladness breaking over her which rippled into snatches of song she held secret counsels with herself as to her wardrobe whether her blue gingham was not too short and too narrow to be allowed to go along and decided that her pink muslin would do nicely if it were let down two inches she looked over her bureau drawers, and knew that she ought to go straightway and put some needed stitches in here and there, but somehow she could not settle to it. She flitted about when she had leisure, indoors and out, too happy to put herself down to sober work. There was one drawback to entire content, though. Johnny had gone a-fishing. Margaret always dreaded to have him go, it is true nothing had ever happened to him yet when he went, but she always felt ill at ease until he was safely home. She asked her father not to let him go, but he had answered, That won't do, Margaret. A boy can't be brought up in a bandbox. He must learn to take care of himself. I shall tell him to be careful. As it drew near night, Margaret began her customary watching watching always brought him. While she set the table for tea, her ears were keenly alive to any sound of Johnny's whoop when he should appear at the kitchen door with a sorry little string of very young fish. She put on the plates, then went to the window, and looked down the street, then came the cups and saucers, and another searching of the street. By the time the table was ready she had made many journeys to the window but no boy with a fish-pole had turned the corner and come towards home, Strain her eyes as she might. At supper, when her father asked, "'Where is Johnny?' She could scarcely steady her voice to say, "'He hasn't got home yet from fishing.' And then she saw her father glance uneasily at the clock. Johnny had never been so late before. Oh, if something had happened to him!' IT WAS A GOOD SUPPER, BUT SOMEHOW MARGARET'S THROAT SEEMED CLOSED UP. SHE COULD SCARCELY SWALLOW. IF JOHNNY SHOULD NOT COME BEFORE DARK, THEN SURELY SOMETHING WAS WRONG. IT WAS GROWING DUSK NOW. AS SOON AS SHE WELL COULD, SHE LEFT THE TABLE, AND SEIZING HER HAT AND SACK FROM THE HALL RACK, RAN SWIFTLY DOWN THE STREET TOWARD THE RIVER. BLACK RIVER WAS WELL NAMED. Its waters were dark, and it flowed swiftly between high banks, rolling and tumbling into foam over its rocky bed. It always made Margaret shudder to look at it. It seemed so fierce and wild. It looked positively angry tonight with a high wind rising and a black cloud flying along the sky. Margaret stopped when she reached the bank and looked down into the dark, rushing water. What if Johnny had slipped off that rock and was lying at the bottom now, dead? She went on as fast as she could go toward the mill, near which was a group of men and boys. They were bending over somebody who lay on the ground. Margaret gave one bound and reached the spot. Yes, it was Johnny. He had fallen from the slippery beam into the water, just as Jacob Williams was going into the mill to do a business errand for his employer quick as a flash the young man's coat came off and he dashed in after johnny getting firm hold of the boy as he was about to sink the second time just as margaret got there her father and the doctor came driving down the street at full speed she tried to push her way through to johnny but the doctor ordered everyone to stand back choosing one or two strong men to help him he worked fast and hard in a short time johnny opened his eyes and moaned all right the doctor said we shall save him and the cheery all right was passed through the crowd the minutes had seemed like hours though to the sister standing by watching holding her lips shut close lest she should scream clinching her trembling hands tight together Trying to fight down a strange sensation which made her feel like sinking down into a heap on the ground. They brought blankets, and Johnny, wrapped up and resting in his father's arms, was driven toward home. Where's my fish pole? he asked in a weak voice as he started. It was dark now, and Margaret ran by a shorter way so fast that she got home before the carriage reached there. She found her mother at the gate watching for her, almost as excited as herself, for the messenger had come with the news just after Margaret had left the house. He's safe! she cried, and the tears ran over her face as Mrs. Moore put her arms about her and held her close in silence for an instant. Then they both turned away to make everything ready in Johnny's room. It was a very limp little boy who was laid on his bed margaret cried again when she saw his white face with wet curls straggling about his forehead i am drowned at last meg he whispered roguish as ever when she bent over him after the others had gone out and he was made comfortable you always said i would be drowned hush johnny margaret said giving him a long kiss you almost died oh what would i have done without you i guess i would a drowned sure johnny murmured as he closed his eyes wearily if somebody hadn't pulled me out was it jake williams i saw him looking at me just as i went and at the remembrance of that moment johnny shuddered say mag he said half opening his eyes again when i was in the water i knew i wasn't a good boy i was afraid i want to be good dear johnny said his sister kissing him again i'll ask god to make you good and you will too won't you you can just whisper now dear jesus take me and make me good then you must go right to sleep it was more than a week after this johnny was himself again and boylike had apparently almost forgotten that he ever came near losing his life aunt cornelia was well too and had gone to spend a few days with aunt frances an early tea that night left margaret time to come out on the porch and watch the sunset after the dishes were washed isn't it strange how things you've longed for come around if you just wait for them she said as she sat down on the upper step she was speaking partly to herself and partly to Johnny, who was sitting on the bottom step with jackknife, sticks, twine, and bits of cloth and paper scattered about him, making a very long tail to his kite. Yes, and things come sometimes when you don't wait for em and don't want em, said Johnny, whose face was still swollen from an attack of toothache. He squinted one eye as he spoke, taking sight at his kite-string to see if it was exactly in the middle. He looked so comical with his puffy cheek and puckered eye that Margaret laughed. It isn't any fun to have the toothache, Miss Moore, said Johnny. Perhaps you'd like to try it. You'd look funny enough with your face swelled up. Your little nose would be turned up more'n it is now. I can just seem to see you and johnny laughed margaret felt a little annoyed at once her nose did turn up just the slightest bit and she did not like to have it spoken of johnny had not teased her badly in a long time she had made more of a companion of him lately than she used to do and since that dreadful day he fell into the river she had felt very tenderly toward him they must not fall back into their old habits of quarrelling, not for anything. With a good tug at herself, she conquered, and after a minute laughed too and said, "'I guess I would look funny, but don't let's talk about toothache. What do you say to my going off to Massachusetts? That's what I meant by things happening that had been waited and longed for. Here's Aunt Cornelia, all ready to take me, and Father says I can go.' johnny did not answer at once he was thinking of something else for a moment meg is different he was saying to himself she'd have got as mad as a hen once if i'd said her nose turned up i know something he said at last that we're going to have if you go off this summer and that's a hired girl i hope she'll have red hair and be cross as sixty then won't i have fun i'll tease her some oh johnny said margaret i thought you were going to be a good boy i am said johnny it isn't wicked to tease folks who are nothing to you it is said margaret it's unkind and hateful and rude you won't tease anybody any more will you johnny not to hurt em said johnny i won't put any bent pins in chairs nor trip em up what makes you think we are to have a girl said margaret why i heard father tell mother she should he said it would be too hard for her if you went away and she said no she would get along she wouldn't have a girl till the debt was all paid up what debt oh something about a mortgage on the house margaret said vaguely why, father gets a bigger salary now, doesn't he? Yes, but it takes a great deal of money to pay mortgages. He pays a little every year. He said it would take two years more to get it all paid. Well, father said that would be all right, went on Johnny, and she must have a girl. Shall you stay all summer, Meg? It will be an awful deaf and dumb house if you do." margaret looked down at her youngest brother his tangled curly head bent over his work and his swollen cheek gave him a forlorn look as if he needed somebody to pet him and look after him she rested her chin on her hand and went off into deep thought ought she not after all to leave home this summer was every pleasure held out to her to be hedged around by a great big ought not she wished somebody would say, you must go home with Aunt Cornelia, it is your duty and you must do it. How plain and easy the way would be made! It was so hard to have to decide things for oneself, and conscience was so troublesome, always putting in ifs and buts and oughts, even after things were decided. It was only a minute that such petulant thought held sway, then she leaned her head back against the post, and with her eyes fixed on the clear light of that golden strip of sky, tried to see things just as they were. She had been reading that day the definition of the term pro and con. She would gather up the pros and cons on this subject. It stood like this: Pros. I want to go. Father said I could. Aunt Cornelia wants me to. I shall have a lovely time i have worked hard and i deserve to go it will help me to be good to be with aunt cornelia and it will be margaret hesitated for a word improving in every way for me now for the cons they can't spare me at home it will cost a good deal to keep a girl johnny will be lonesome there were a great many cons considering johnny she was intent on them for a few minutes. Johnny was always getting into scrapes. He had seemed to like to be with her of late. She had great influence over him. Perhaps if she went away, and there was no school to keep him out of mischief, he would get to going with that bad Andrews boy again, and by the time she got home he would be gone to ruin, or perhaps he would be lonesome and go fishing all the time and be drowned. Just then there came looming up before her one of the most delightful prose. There was Aunt Cornelia's pretty home four miles out of the city. There would be rides to the city, shopping in grand stores, visits to art galleries. How delightful to exchange dishwashing and sweeping for all these pleasant things with leisure to do what she pleased for a whole summer. And then, with another thought of Johnny, lonesome tempted struggling came the final and decisive con it would please jesus better if she did not go it was as clear as that sunset sky she felt as sure of it as if he had whispered in her ear don't go dear child there was no more debating she leaned her head back again strangely peaceful and happy johnny meantime had finished his kite and gone out on the street to give it a fly while mrs moore had come to the door and stood looking out unperceived by margaret she noticed the happy expression on the face turned up to the fading clouds it was a true earnest face and mrs moore thought so as she watched it how different margaret was she was really growing lovely the heart of the stepmother warmed toward the daughter and following an impulse she did what was unusual for her she stepped out and laid her hand softly on margaret's head which a ray of sunshine was turning into gold are you thinking of going away is that what makes you look so happy she asked margaret started and looked up surprised the look which met hers was actually a loving one the tears sprang into her eyes and she reached for her mother's other hand and held it close without speaking i am glad you are going for one reason mrs moore went on you will have a great deal of pleasure and a change and you deserve it but on another account i'm sorry we are just beginning to understand each other and have some good times at home mother said margaret speaking that name out full and round which she had once said she would never give to her stepmother i don't deserve anything i was a cross hateful girl and i wonder how you ever had any patience with me i didn't always you know mrs Moore said i meant to do everything exactly right when i came here but i didn't know how to manage i guess i might have done better if i had had more patience and known how and one thing more margaret if i had been a christian woman i wanted a chance to tell you this and to have you know that i feel almost as if you were my very own daughter i am as proud of you as i can be but let us talk some business now what dress can you wear for the journey the dress i have on will do said margaret her mother looked at her in surprise it was a pale pink print for my journeys to the post office and on errands i mean i have made up my mind not to go this summer mother you poor child why not it will be too bad to have you disappointed again while they talked it over the sunset changed into twilight and when mr moore came in for the night he was filled with surprise and delight at sight of his wife and daughter sitting on the steps with their arms about each other at last there was peace and quiet happiness in his home his heart swelled with gratitude you won't think i am ungrateful will you margaret said the next day when she told aunt cornelia that she had decided not to go home with her no indeed dear child aunt cornelia said kissing her i am glad you are willing to give up your own pleasure for johnny's sake i dare say he needs you a temperament like his should have much help and guarding he is intense and impulsive there is material in him for a grand man or for a very bad one the self-denial you practice now will be rewarded a boy with a good sister has as fair again a chance of turning out a good man as one who has none so hold fast to johnny dear you'll not be sorry you need not think i give you up easily though it is a great disappointment to me but sometime somehow it will all come around right for me to have you the morning aunt cornelia started for home she slipped a small envelope into margaret's hand saying my dear this is the money i was going to spend for your journey to and from my house i am going to give it to you to do with just as you please i think you can be trusted to use it wisely margaret was delighted she had never had much money to use as she pleased she was glad too that aunt cornelia trusted her she devoted it to as many as twenty-five different objects before one day had passed it was astonishing how much twenty-five dollars accomplished in imagination. She bought herself a silk dress, then a new coat for her father, then a handsome suit for Johnny. There were times when it was all spent in books, and again every member of the family was to have a nice present. Then a handsome chair for the parlor, some new curtains, a new carpet for her room. Sometimes it was devoted entirely to the poor. Between the great variety of ways and wishes, it seemed doubtful whether it would ever be spent at all. End of chapter 22